Welcome to another episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. We are your host, Hayden and Evan. Hello there. And at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast for our church family, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. We are continuing our series, Summer on the Mount, and we are looking at the second part of the pericope there in Matthew five seventeen through 20, entitled Christians and the Law. Last week, we learned about how Christ relates to the law, and this week, we learned about how Christians, how we relate to the law there in Matthew five seventeen through 20. I have the uh, the law one song stuck in my head. I fought the law and the law one. Oh, yeah, that would up. happen if you did fight the law. Yeah, Jesus That's, didn't fight the law; he fulfilled the law. Matthew did. five seventeen through twenty. You're welcome, everyone. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. See, he didn't abolish it. He didn't. He didn't fight it. He, I have not come not. to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or a dot will pass. From the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never Enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, Pastor Hayden, remind us of what your main point was from this sermon. That Christ's righteousness produces obedience from the inside out concerning all that Jesus commands and even comes with a warning to those who reject absolute obedience to the commands of Christ. And we see this played out in three uh, teaching points uh, from these two verses, that we should eradicate legalistic ideas of righteousness, we should fear invalidating any of Jesus' commands, and we should desire an honorable position in God's kingdom. Well, how are they... Oh, you did that. You already expressed it. I did. You were texting. I know. That is for all the people at the church to see, and now you're stuck. What are you going to say? Next. Eradicating legalistic and nah. righteousness. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, Pastor Hayden, you know this is a this is a strong sermon. You even mm-hmm. mentioned this week this is going to be a strong sermon. So, how can we as a church in our local body, our autonomous church here in Hill Country of Texas, how can we eradicate the legalistic um, patterns or ideas that we have in our hearts and minds about? trying to maybe earning favor from the Lord or righteous standing. Yeah. Uh, I think there's two ways that we could see this active in our church predominantly uh, that there are, that isn't exhaustive, but I think the two ways you're going to see this the most that we got to make sure that we do weed out is one, uh, the non Christian or maybe the, the Christian who is just very new to the faith uh, which I find, I even find that person struggling with it because I, you know, are there going to be young believers who think that they can work their way to God? Uh, maybe in some way, but I hope that I mean, if they're a Christian, they're going to recognize that they couldn't. Uh, but maybe they still struggle with some uh, applications of that. Uh, but a non-Christian that you invite to church would deal with, deal with this, and this is a really fundamental example. You know, you ask a non-Christian, well, why do you? Why would God let you into His heaven? And they would say, well, because I'm a good person. 
Well, that's literally the definition of legalism. And so we've got to make sure we weed that out, that anyone would suggest that they get into God's kingdom because of uh, they're good enough would be a problem. And I think to help our young Christians, if they struggle with this in an application, uh, they just don't trust in uh, this is it's hard. It's like, okay, how does a young Christian, how do they exercise legalism? And I said, I think, okay, in my own life, and I, there may be somebody out there who knows legalism way better than me and could probably talk to me about legalism, but I just, I don't struggle with this idea that I have some kind of self-worth that would merit anything before God. And I think that in, in my life and in my experience, I just realized just how big of a pile I am of, of just absolutely nothingness that is only finds my value in Christ's righteousness alone. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it's not a real thing just because that's not one of my main thoughts of my, of my struggles. Well, so then if, if you're going to counsel someone mm-hmm. and they're so focused on, maybe it's a new believer because they had strong patterns of okay. well, sinful patterns and they're really trying to eradicate it, but they're so focused on the outward behavior without yeah, even addressing I, the yeah, heart. That can be an easier question. Is, uh, is the fact that like y- your do, do, do does not get you anywhere with God uh, when it comes to your justification. So if like, you know, you, you can't say, well, if, if you're coming to me and you're struggling, well, I, 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 if I don't do these things, God's not going to love me. It's like, well, if you're in Christ, that there's nothing you can do to make Christ love you more than he already does. I think that's a re- I think that's a truth that lots of people like to hear that I think is actually a biblical truth. That uh now I think the the concept that God cannot be any more pleased with you than he is right now. Uh I think that's not faithful to the Bible. Uh, I think parents are sometimes more pleased with their children in some situations more than they are in others, but I but I do think the other one applies that a parent still loves their child. No, no matter what, if it's really their child. So if you're God's child, he's going to love you regardless. Uh, but I do think the idea that God would be pleased with you, uh, the same as when you're literally disobeying him compared to when you're obeying him, I think that idea that he's always equally pleased with you is a wrong uh, characterization of the character of God. Uh, and so as we talk about that and is somebody dealing with legalism, it's helpful to say that, that there's no condemnation anymore. Like you don't, you don't have to believe that you're condemned. Um, uh, and if you don't hold these things perfectly, that somehow you're going to lose your status uh, of righteousness before God in Christ. Uh, that's how I'd counsel a young person struggling with a legalistic idea of righteousness. But I think the other idea that's, uh, that is active in our church that is actually a practice of legalism, if not in principle, in application. And that is forcing others to apply the Bible the same way you do, uh, uh, at least in an applicational way of your sin. I think alcohol is a good example of this. We shared with our life group leaders in their podcast. Is, you know, the Bible does not say that drinking alcohol in line with biblical uh, precedents and biblical principles is wrong. There is uh, a way you can drink alcohol. Uh, however, there's a lot of ways you, that you cannot. I would argue that there's probably a lot of more, more ways you can't drink alcohol than that you can drink alcohol. But another conversation for a different time. Principally, drinking alcohol in and of itself is not wrong. However, if you are one of those people who say, well, I don't drink alcohol because I think that if I were to drink alcohol, uh, it would it would hinder my faith, cause me to sin, and, and show that my heart isn't for the Lord. Or 
or, or any of the above. And then you go to other people and you say, well, if you drink alcohol, it shows that your heart isn't for the Lord, that you don't love God, and that you're going to sin. Okay, You are pushing legalistic ideas of righteousness on other people. That is wrong, at least in app, its application. Now, you may not say, well, I, I, I'm not saying that they won't be saved, but but." But in a real way, in its application, you are. You're saying that I question your salvation if you drink drink alcohol. Well, that is a legalistic idea of righteousness. And although you wouldn't say that in principle, you would say that in its application. So you need to be careful that you aren't forcing other people to apply the Bible uh, in a lot of circumstances the exact same way you do because you struggle with something differently than someone else does. Everyone needs to apply all the principles in the Bible in a way, but they don't all have to be in your way. They just need to be in a way that's consistent with biblical truth. And to flesh this out a little bit, and if I, you know, and going to step on some toes here in pastorally, that's what I'm here to exhort. As long as you bind them up, and uh, is you know, hot topics such as you know places to eat, places to shop. You know, Target is in the crosshairs of uh, mm. in our in our culture right now. Um, you have, you know, the whole Pride Month is infiltrating tons of places to shop. And so how you apply movies to watch or books you're going to read or how you spend your time off. Concerts you're going to go to. Concerts you're going to go to. Plays how you, you're going to watch. How you're going to recreate during your week or how do yeah. you spend your weekend or yeah. going on vacation. Or, what you're going to buy, materialism. I mean, yeah. how, well, how much you're going to eat or what you're going to eat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but what's the point in all this? The point is... Even if, let's say, the conviction of, like, hey, I need to be a good steward of my body and to take out all processed food and inflammatory foods and to say, you know what, veganism is probably the most healthy way to eat, to say you have to do the same because God has called us to be good stewards of everything he's given us, including the the bodies that we have so that we can be, we can be as most effective for ministry. So, so you we, all have to wake right. up at 4, 8, 4.30 in the morning to work out for an hour and right. a half. And to, that's an overemphasis on maybe a biblical principle of you should take care of your body. So if you eat Twinkies three times a day, I think for, for you know, that's your food, I think that that would be a sinful thing to do. Or making us not buy donuts anymore. I didn't make us not do that. I know. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh if I did, <laughs> yeah. Well, but I would say, that, but but that would be that would be the line of sin. Would be like, no, you're you are literally probably a glutton because you're you're sinning and you're eating in a way uh, that is inconsistent with uh, caring for your body or treating your body as the temple of God. Although that immediate context is sexual in a sexual nature, I, it applies to this idea. But you can't say that just because somebody desires to have a bowl of ice cream every night that that doesn't fit your dietary, um, you know, health goals. That that's sin for them to do that. And the point of me bringing this up is in any habit that you have, aim for the heart of your yeah. own heart, starting there first. And then if you see someone else, a brother and sister at this church, that you may see an unhealthy habit that you might see as, you know, exercising out your righteousness to defeat, you know, a lack of self-control and um, so on and so forth, is ask, okay, what is the heart behind of what they're doing? Because to eradicate illegalism from your own heart is not focusing only on the outward appearance of right. them eating or drinking or going out and do whatever they want is, hey, how come you want to do this? And go for the heart. And really ask yourself, why do I do what I do? Is am I? Is it for the heart because God has changed it, or am I just trying to look the part? Right. That's a good, that's a good way to think about it. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, point number two was to fear invalidating any of Jesus' commands. Now, 
obviously it's in the scriptures, but why such a heavy point for us as a church? I think it's faithful to the text, and I think that it also uh, helps in the way to eradicate a kind of cultural Christianity in our church, that we want to minimize any commands in scripture because Jesus fulfilled it. Uh, because Jesus fulfilled it, then therefore there, that has, there is no place in my life for obeying God. Uh, which, you know, and, and this is funny because I don't know a lot of people who would outright say that because I'm a Christian, I don't, I don't have to obey God. But again, in the way we apply our lives as Christians, we do say that. I mean, there's a reason why people aren't living for the Lord. There's a reason why people don't go to God in prayer and don't read his word and are not, you know, don't live their lives faithfully to Christ because we think in a real way that it does, that doesn't, it's not important for us. It's not, there is no consequence if I don't. And it's like, but, but Jesus says that there is, there is a consequence. If you don't listen to this, it tells you that when you relax the commands of Christ and teach others to to relax them. You will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Like it literally says it right there. Like you, the cultural Christianity does not fly in the sight of Christ. He has given you a new heart and He has given you His Spirit that you would live out His ways and would follow Him. And so it's heavy because it needs to be heavy. You should fear invalidating any of Jesus' commandments, both in the way that you teach them and talk about them to others and the way that you yourself apply them and live them. Well, we got to love the heavy things like justice, mercy, and faithfulness, just like we do the smaller things about giving and serving uh, and, you know, th- those Community. kind of things. Community involvement. I mean, those may be heavy or light, but they're all equally commands of Christ that he commands us to fulfill and empowers us to do them. I think that's a concise way to answer that question. It is concise, and I'm trying to figure a way to expand on it, on it more. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we <laughs> it's, it, There's a couple areas where I think, one, I think we have to separate and understand of what we just talked about earlier about preferences, essentially, um, where we mix in our preferences of how we live out the Christ commands, and we mix it in with Christ's commands, thinking, hey, me eating healthy is the same as attending community, as Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says to do. To me, saying I'm not going to shop at this store isn't, equa- isn't equal to saying I'm going to give to the church. I don't, what do you mean by this? What's your point? In the point is, that? it's like I think we mix, because we, the way that we might neglect the lighter aspects of the giving, community, our quiet time, our spiritual, exercising spiritual disciplines, our loving our, our spouses and, and kids and being faithful okay. to disciple them. Those are commands. Yeah. But then we kind of mix in kind of what the Pharisees did, our their own preferences, our own preferences their own tra- as yeah. commands okay. and almost justify them to say, right. Hey, the way that my family's going to eat is actually me discipling them to go. Well, are yeah. you teaching God's word? Well, like even in exploring compass, it wasn't asked in a de- derogatory way, but it'd be like you know, exploring compass. We asked que- that people. We let people ask questions about our church in whatever way, and they were talking about finances. Well, do you let us see your finances? It's like, well, there's you know, I like that. This is this idea that you know what would be smart is to make sure that if somebody wants to make when somebody is trying to join the church. Uh, and they're wrestling with the faithfulness of the genero- their generosity and the church's generosity. Would that be all right if they were to, you know, if we were to meet with them and talk to them about how our church does finances? I think that's great. Uh, but if you're, if, but in the same way, if you're talking about wanting to see everyone else's finances, but yet you won't, you don't even give. That you're not even f- sacrificial and generous in your way. It's like you are, you are heaping a burden upon 
a church that you yourself are not even willing to carry. You're not one to be sacrificial and generous, but you're wanting us to be to show you how we're being sacrificial, sacrificial and generous, right? I mean, that's that's a, a, a small way to explain that idea of like, don't heap burdens on people that you yourself aren't willing to carry, uh, like the just like the Pharisees were doing. Uh, but in a real way, you should recognize that all the little things that Christ calls us to do in faithfulness are equally as uh, binding for us, and and really in our hearts should be equal in their their uh, application in our life. Although the weight might be distributed differently. Yeah, and there's one one final point because we brought this up with our life the life group leaders about the reason why we are supposed to obey Christ's commands is to reflect His image because that's that's the point. Right. Yeah. Um. Now, the reason why we're, I'm kind of attacking preferences, preferences a little bit right now is because the concern that we need to have as Christians is not to conform this person into my image, mm-hmm. but to conform them to Christ's image. Well, to allow the Holy Spirit to conform them. And then how Paul was able to say, imitate me, mm-hmm. was because his, he was imitating Christ, right. and so the imitation that we're going to have with one another is make sure is is contingent on making sure that we are imitating Christ. And so, how do we know which is a law and which one's a preference? Well, which one reflects who? Is it reflection of you or reflection of Christ? Mm-hmm. And so, it's extremely important because if we told this about the, to the life group leaders. The reason why God wants us to obey his commands and the reason why he actually saves us in the first place to give us, give us a new heart and new spirit is to validate his name, to vindicate his name. He's and You brought Ezekiel 36. If you look up at verse 22 and also in verse um, 30, uh, 36, he's saying, I'm doing this not for you, but for my holy name which you profaned. And my original command commission to Adam and Eve was to spread my image, my glory throughout the world. And you profaned it throughout the world. So I'm going to save you. So when I do save you and my image is now restored in you, the watching world would see that image and now properly reflect it in giving glory to me who is in heaven. Which is why we should prioritize all of Jesus' commandments regardless of the light or the or the heavy commands because all of it is us reflecting the nature and the character of God. Eradicate yourself and focus on Christ. All right. Point number three. Desire an honorable position in God's kingdom. All right, Pastor Hayden, we're here again. Mm -hmm. It's our favorite topic because we love just bringing it up all the time. No, it's in the text all the time about there's... Well, not all the time, but when it is in there, it's in there. It's in there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we only bring it up when the Bible brings it up or when you guys ask us. Essentially, the thing is, there's a hierarchy in heaven. That's a weird concept, maybe to many. But as you were saying, if we just got an ESV study Bible or MacArthur study Bible or any of the commentaries in a bookstore... It's going to say the same thing? Yeah, I think as you struggle with this, just open up a a normal study Bible, CSB, ESB, MacArthur Study Bible, Faith Life Study Bible on Logos, uh, a Bible dictionary, a commentary on these texts like uh, you're going to find throughout the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to find that even the commentators are unapologetic in their explicit uh, comments on uh, a, a type of honor in the kingdom that varies based on how one responds to God's word. And, you know, I don't want you to think like heaven is like this pyramid scheme or 
this idea that you can just you know roll your way up to the top because we obviously talked even in the sermon how manipulating your way into places of honor is not going to happen according to Matthew 20, uh, 20 through 28. But in the real way, you know, as we are being last here on earth out of our love and service for the Lord, as, as Matthew 19.30 says, that Jesus also says that as we're being faithful in that and giving our lives to Christ in that, there is going to be real honor and reward in heaven for us. And this text makes explicit that part of that honor and degree of distinguishment and honor is, is going to be in this text based on how one handles the law of Christ and the weighty and light matters and how we do them and how we teach them. And so there is nothing unbiblical about teaching these realities and that one should desire an honorable position in God's kingdom. Uh, I think one of the concerns that people may have is twofold. One that I that I see very clearly is this idea that we just don't like that our lives are consequential for eternity. That your life, because we like to th- we like to say, well, our life, anything that we do apart from Christ is, or anything that we do doesn't gain us anything. Only Christ gains us any righteousness. And I'm like, Amen to that. That's really good biblical. Uh, that's a really good biblical definition of justification by faith apart from works. But uh, and we would agree with that and say, well, that's great. You don't get into heaven apart from that. Uh, but this idea that your life is inconsequential on this side of eternity. Uh, flies in the face of exactly what Jesus is saying in Matthew 19 when Jesus says in verse 28, in the new world, when I sit on my throne, you 12 disciples who had followed me will sit on the 12 thrones. Well, there's some immediate consequence of the faithfulness of the disciples to follow Jesus that when Jesus sits on the throne, their earthly uh, decisions have eternal consequences. And also in verse 29, that everyone who has followed Christ and, and gave up so much of their life here will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life in the life to come. And to think, well, they had real, their life had real eternal consequences based on the degree of honor they're going to receive in heaven. And that is just an, that is a reality that we see. And within that framework, we should desire an honorable position in God's kingdom. And our life here should reflect this desire not to manipulate our way into positions of power because Jesus warns us of that in, the, in a chapter later in Matthew 20, that no one's going to be able to manipulate their way into an honorable position in God's kingdom. But it is as 27 and 28 uh, verses there of uh, in Matthew 20 that says, whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And any, and even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Like, if anyone wants to be great among you, he must be your servant. If anyone wants to be first among you, he must become your slave. This idea of trading here my life for Christ and trusting in faith that Christ is going to reward me from that in eternity is not anti-biblical and it's not sinful. That's that's the truth of the Christian faith, that we sit here and as we stand at the, at the gate of eternity, we recognize that anything that's behind those gates that is given to me as a gift from me uh, by my faith in Christ that he has saved me, that way I would even be able to have entrance into that kingdom, and that anything that is over there awaiting me is that I had faith and trust that as I obeyed God, any reward or benefit or honor that was bestowed upon me on that side of the kingdom was a gift to me because of faith, not because of my doing and work. And the good news is it just really helps us trust in a good, just God. Absolutely. And, and actually, when you brought up Matthew nineteen twenty nine, it just it encouraged me because that's a, a verse that for Candace and I, 
for moving from California to come here has really helped us with the decision making. When originally when Pastor Hayden, he was already at a church plant, and when they announced the church plant originally, Candace and I were like, well, that's a bummer. We'll, we'll miss them. So have a good life in Texas. And then you came to me to say, hey, would you pray about coming? And at first I'm like, no, because I feel like the answer would be yes. Mm-hmm. But when we came to came to the realization that God is calling her and I to move our family away from her parents and my parents and our siblings and our church family and really the our, our yeah big church family that our, our our parents are a part of and to leave it all behind to go to a, a, a another place far far away and to say let's go make disciples it was a heavy and hard decision but a verse like this really kind of helped us push over to the make the decision to say, yes, we're going, because it reminded us of two things. One, we're not living for this life. We'll see both sets of parents in heaven. If we ever never see them again, but guess what? We see them all the time. Praise the Lord. And secondly. And secondly, he's going to reward that, not because I'm trying to manipulate him into getting a reward. Because I'm trusting him in faith. I'm saying I'm trusting him in faith. Right. And he says, I want to bless that because I want to bless those who trust me. Right. And that same uh, in that same application can be put towards point number three, desire an honorable position in God's kingdom. I'm just trusting that as I take all of Christ's word and law seriously, that I'm not going to relax any of the least of these commandments, and I'm going to teach others not to do that. I'm going to teach them to do them and teach them uh, that I know that there is this, there is a, an honor of faith and trust there in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, not that I my, my goal is not to be called great in the kingdom of heaven, but I would desire that when I am in the kingdom of heaven that, that God would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. How in the world can he say, well done, my good and faithful servant, if we weren't good and faithful servants here on earth. See that anyway, that's I think that's a great way to wrap up point number 3 and as we're wrapping up this podcast. Uh, as always, I want to let you guys know something that's new is on our note sheet there's a uh, there is a uh, QR code there that if you have any questions about the sermons, you can scan those QR codes, write your question in there, and if PE and I can, we're going to answer your questions about our sermons every week. So I'm just going to encourage you to scan that QR code on your note sheet, and if you do that before our podcast on Sunday, after the service, we will answer your questions uh, throughout the podcast. All right, well, we have some announcements, just a, a number of announcements for you. Child dedications on Father's Day, June 18th are coming up, and we have a couple of spots left. We'd love for you to sign up there if you would like to dedicate your kiddos to the Lord. Summer kids camps are right around the corner. VBS closed a couple hours ago, and so the VBS is closed. If you are at the end of today, which, the end of the day? Yeah, but today's Sunday, uh, the June 4th, so if you're it listening June to June 4th. 5th. Oh, yeah, it'd be over. If you're yeah. listening to this and it's not Sunday, this is it's over. But art and science camp are still open. If you are sitting here bummed out because you miss VBS, uh, why don't you, you can email Evan, evan at compasshillcountry.org, and we could we, we have grace and mercy. We're not legalists here. If you need in, we'll let, we're will let we going to help you get in. Uh, but know that you missed the deadline. No condemnation, but you're really going to put some extra work on this. Sermon applications through <laughs> announcements. Uh, art and science camp, uh, our deadlines are coming, but you got some time. Make sure you sign your kiddos up for that. Revival for our students, the Kingdom of Heaven, uh, the date for that is July 27th through July 30th. Registration's open, so sign your kids up for that as well online. Baptism services are full for the 23rd, so we're going to open up a new baptism uh, weekend in a, a few weeks after that, and so be excited for 
for the July 23rd baptism service and be looking for the registration for the next baptism service for those who haven't signed up, make sure you do because uh, they will fill up. And we're never going to keep anyone from being baptized, but we, we want you to prioritize it so we can put it on the schedule. So we look forward to our baptism service on July 23rd and the next few coming uh, we're so grateful for you, church. We love you. We're praying for you that you would grow in your faith and in your trust in Christ this week. We want to just remind you, we also have our weekly DBR Spotlight podcast coming on as well. And so you can subscribe to the DBR Spotlight podcast wherever podcast streaming is found. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>